Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. before we get it started, I want to share something real real quickly. Um, we know it's kind of the season of Thanksgiving. It's my favorite holiday of the entire year, Thanksgiving is. And um, in saying that, yes, I do believe that we need to practice Thanksgiving every day. I, I do believe it's a part of our every day. Um, but in saying that, whenever there's a shift even in the world that they're starting to think about being thankful, I do jump on that bandwagon. I practice it every day, but if they're going to focus on it, I better focus on it too, especially because I'm raising kids that I don't want them to learn what the world's thankful for. I want them to know what being thankful really is about. So I look at it as an opportunity to still give God praise because it's ultimately pointing back to him, but I also take it as an opportunity to teach my children. So I say that because this past week, our Bible lessons and our devotions have been, and it will continue this week, beyond Thanksgiving. And so I wanted to, to say this for any parents who, who pray for your kids, any parents that have these discussions or studies with your kids, or maybe if you bring your kids and you motivate them to come to church even when they don't want to, and you wonder if you're doing the right thing, you're wondering if it's even working, I just want to encourage you and tell you not to stop, but keep doing it, okay? I came home from work Thursday night, and Paisley ran up to me with her Bible in her hand. And she said, Mom, I have found a verse about Thanksgiving that I want you to share with the church on Sunday. <laughs> she just wrote it down. I told her I would share it. Okay. And, you know, to me, it just spoke a lot that here is this child. It's not me opening my Bible. But when I wasn't even there, and I didn't even have a clue that that child opened up her own Bible and searched out her own verse, and she wanted to share it with you. So this is the verse she, that she picked. It's Psalm 35 and 18. It says, I will give thee thanks in the great congregation. I will praise thee among much people. And when I thought about that this morning, I thought, here I am with a great congregation, and here I am with many people. There's no one else I'd rather just give thanks to God for. So can we just offer him up just a few seconds of praise? Lord, we love you this morning. We're thankful, God. I want you to know that we're a great congregation, God, that serves a great God. Lord Jesus, can we turn that thanksgiving and just to a prayer over our service this morning? God, Lord, we can't do this without you, God. Lord, I invite your presence into this place, Lord. God, I ask you, Jesus, Lord, to lead us, God, to guide us by your word. 
May your will be accomplished in all things, God. Speak to our children in the back, God. Lord, may your will be done, God, in all things. Lord, we give you praise. We give you glory and honor, God. Lord Jesus, I love you and I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you, Lord. Oh, it just already feels better. This feels better. And as you're seated, could you turn to one of your neighbors and tell them your Thanksgiving choice, turkey or ham? So how many turkeys do we have out there? Oh, look at all the turkeys, guys. <laughs> you could probably look at me and tell I'm ham. Uh, <laughs> so we've been talking about this month. It's been a wonderful, wonderful series about the attitude of Thanksgiving. Every lesson has been extraordinary. It really, really has. And so this week, the title of our lesson is going to be The Choice of Thanksgiving. And I'm not talking about turkey or ham anymore, but the choice of Thanksgiving. And so I want to start reading a text, and you're not going to believe this, but I'm starting out with a text that I have read before, and it's about the children of Israel again. And I promise you that is not all that I know about the Bible. I promise you. It just happens to fit. So I'm gonna, um, if you want to turn and follow, it's going to be Deuteronomy chapter 8, or you can follow on the screen. It's going to be about... 11 verses, and this is what it says. This is Moses, Moses speaking to the children, and he says this, For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and depths that spring out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of oil, olive, and honey. You can almost picture it, right? You can picture it, and I wonder if they were picturing it too. He says, it's a land where thou shalt eat bread without scarceness. Thou shalt not lack anything in it. A land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass. And verse 10 says this, when thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. And then he continues, and says, beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God and not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I command thee this day. Lest when thou hast eaten and art full, and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein, and when thy herds and thy flocks, they multiply, and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, and all that thou hast is multiplied, then thine heart be lifted up, and thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt and from the house of bondage, who led thee through that great and terrible wilderness, wherein the fiery serpents and scorpions and drought, where there was no water, who brought thee forth water out of the rock of Flint, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee, and that he might prove thee to do thee good at that latter end. Verse 17 says, And thou say in thine heart, My power. And the might of mine hand hath gotten me this wealth. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he sware unto thy fathers, as it is this day. It is he. It is he. So research and studies has proven 
that practicing gratitude actually has many health benefits. It improves relationships, and it even improves our emotional and our physical health. It's been proven that gratitude, not success, not wealth, not accumulation of things, but that gratitude is essential for happiness, that, true, that happy people are thankful, they're grateful people. And we often hear that saying that says the happiest people aren't the ones who may have it all or have the best of all things, but they're the ones who make the best out of what they already have. They're grateful for what they have. But I'll tell you, and I'll probably, some parents in here will probably agree that gratitude doesn't come naturally. You know, it, it's not something that we're born with. I think any parent of a small child could probably attest to that. Um, it's not something that, that we're just born with. But practicing and expressing gratitude has to be a very intentional choice. And hopefully it's made over and over again to where it becomes a habit. It becomes something that's a part of our hearts and our lives. Because we know that life is ultimately about choices. Bottom line, life is about choices. Each morning we wake up and we have the choice to say, Good morning, Lord, or Good Lord, it's morning. I'm not going to ask you which one you said this morning. We just know it's a choice. One day a man opened up his lunchbox on the job site, and he got so frustrated when he reached down and he picked up another bologna sandwich. And he said, a bologna sandwich again? I hate bologna sandwiches. So the guy next to him said, then why don't you ask your wife to make you something different? Tell her not to make it anymore. And he said, you leave my wife out of this. I make my own lunches. And that, but that's the truth. We make our own lunches. We make our own choices. It's our choice, we make our own attitudes. So if we have an attitude of gratitude, we've, cho we've chosen that. And so after reading all of Moses' speech right there um, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, I believe that he would agree with that. And I love that relationship that Moses had with God. I love it that there's a verse in the Bible that says that God spoke to Moses like a man would speak to his friend. You know there was something special. And so many times that Moses would go and meet with God and God would give him the word. He'd come back down and he'd tell the people. But most of the time, before they even got to Canaan, Moses had to remind the Israelites over and over again, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget where God brought you from. Don't forget to give praise. Don't forget, kind of like we do as parents, kids, don't forget to say thank you. Same thing. So that's what was going on in our text. They're nearing the end of their 40-year journey. And for several chapters, it didn't just start in chapter 8. This has been going on, and it goes on after chapter 8. So he spends several chapters addressing and reminding the Israelites. And in this passage, he basically said this, Before you even get there, you need to make up in your mind to be grateful. Before you even step one foot over that line, just make that purpose in your heart to be grateful grateful. You're going to be surrounded by blessings you've never seen. You're going to be surrounded by opportunities you've never been given. You're going to be blessed with goodness and provision that you've never seen. But he warns them that if they don't know how to turn their blessing into praise, it will turn into pride. If you don't turn a blessing into praise, it will turn into pride. He said that in verse 17. Because God's blessing has to be joined with gratitude. And there's a reason why. Because if we grow in gifts, 
but not in gratitude. Do you know what we are? Entitled. Big word in our, in our society today. We, we, we talk about entitlement quite a bit. Entitlement's when we don't show appreciation for what we have. Entitlement's when we just view blessings or people as just disposable because, you know, if it doesn't work out or if I don't like this, I'm just going to go get something different. That's what entitlement is. And that attitude of ingratitude, it actually can be contagious and it can be passed down from one generation to the next. And I believe Moses knew that. And that's why he spent so much time pleading with them and warning them that, hey, when you're satisfied, bless the Lord, turn the praise back. When you're happy, when you're satisfied, when you have everything you need, you bless the Lord. There's dangers to choosing life without giving thanks. There's, there's a lot of dangers in that. Because it's not natural and because we have to be intentional about showing thanksgiving, if we don't learn, if we don't choose, and we don't practice gratitude, there's several things that can happen. One thing is, is that we can develop an unhealthy ego. It's kind of what Moses was referring to in verse 17. It basically ends up being that, well, look what I accomplished. But when you express gratitude, it just builds in this constant reminder that how God and how other people have really contributed to any success that I've ever had. That's what gratitude does. When gratitude's not practiced, it can fuel an attitude of entitlement that, hey, well, I have this because God owed me. It becomes an attitude of entitlement to where I deserve this. It becomes, do you know how important that I am? But gratitude doesn't say that. Gratitude recognizes the value that God and others have added to our lives. So it's, Lord, it's not what I have done. It's not by anything that's within my power. But God, it's by your mercy and by your strength and by your power that if anything. I remember when I was young, my grandma would say over and over again, who am I that a king would bleed and die for? And that would just put a perspective in me. Think, oh my goodness, who am I that God would go to the cross and bleed and die for me. If we don't practice gratitude, it can breed discontentment. I like to call it the never enough attitude. You familiar with that? Just never enough. It's more and more and more. It's discontentment. And I thought about Adam and Eve, and they lived in paradise. There was everything that they ever wanted or everything they ever needed was right there. No worries, no stress, no jobs. Everything they had was there. But you know what? They turned their eyes and their obsession to the one thing that they could not or didn't have. And as a result of that choice of, well, I can't appreciate everything else that God's given me. I just have to have this one thing. And when they turned their, their focus on the one thing that they couldn't have, they lost everything as a result of that choice. But choosing gratitude turns your attention from what you don't have to what you do have. That's what gratitude does. So Moses, he instructs the Israelites that when God blesses you, you thank him. And he said, when you have eaten and you're satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. To me, that's the very basic level of thanksgiving. That we thank you, Lord, for the fill in the blank. I think about probably the... The first prayer we've all prayed was, God is great, God is good, let us thank him for the food, right? 
very basic. Same thing, you know, when I pray every morning with the kids on the way to school, we normally start out with very basic. Thank you, Lord, for this beautiful day. It just starts out like that. It's basic. We thank him for our home. We thank him for our jobs. We thank him for our clothes. It's just basic. Some people, good people, thankful people, you would probably think, well, that's just good manners, right? So at that very basic level, while God is blessing us and things are going good, we ought not just to sit with our arms folded and act like we've deserved anything or that we've earned anything by our own merit. Rather, when God blesses or he comforts or he provides, we can choose to thank God for all the things that he has done. Anybody who's got a promotion, anybody whose things are going well in your life right now, if your family is healthy, now's the time to praise God for it. Amen. Hallelujah. God, I thank you, Jesus. But when we have a favorable circumstance like that, it's not difficult to choose a thankful attitude. It's not hard to get on that bandwagon. Gratitude is not hard to practice when we choose and we train ourselves to be thankful for the countless ways that he blesses us. At the very, very least, we can thank him for what we see. God, we thank you for our homes and we thank you for our cars, for our friends and our family. It's easy. When our cups are running over, it's easy to thank God. It's easy to give thanks when God gives. But we all know that that's not always the case. Sometimes life is hard. Sometimes there are seasons, tragedy, heartache, struggles. And if we're being completely transparent, it's harder to maintain a spirit of gratitude during those times. And sometimes the last thing we want someone to say to us is, well, there's always something to be thankful for. It's just honesty. And to be honest with you, it is thoughtless to dismiss or downplay anyone's hardship. In fairness, it's, it's, it is. It's thoughtless. If someone's having a hard time to just dismiss that, it's not, it's not good. Because we know we could be in their shoes. And life is not perfect not even close, and we all face difficult circumstances. We've all experienced just a roller coaster of emotions, happiness one day, unthinkable pain the next. And it's tempting in those times, in those difficult times, to allow those emotions to dictate our attitude. It's, and truthfully, it's, it's difficult not to do that because things like grief and loss and illness, they're difficult, they're hard. But I will tell you that if we're just at Moses' basic level of thanksgiving, it's probably not going to help get us through those difficult times. And I thought about the story of the ten lepers. All ten of them were sick. All of them were social outcasts. They no longer could be part of the society. They had to be separated even from their family. Now, Jesus not only heals their physical disease where they get new skin, but he restored their places in their family and in society they no longer had any social stigma. They nearly faced death, and you'd think that they would be overwhelmingly grateful. Yet only one returned to express gratitude. So I thought, were the other ones ungrateful? Were the other ones forgetful? Were they just excited and in a hurry to get home? Maybe. Maybe all three. But either way, that parable, what it does, it, it does remind us that how common ingratitude actually is and how easy it is to let our circumstances or our emotions, good or bad, get in the way of giving thanks. 
And it's not that God needed to hear thanks. He doesn't need to hear thanks as much as they needed to express it. God doesn't necessarily just need our thanks more than we need to express it. Because gratitude says more about the one giving it than it does to the one receiving it. Gratitude is about what it does in our hearts. And that's why in those tough times it requires this deeper level of gratitude. And I believe that King David understood that deeper level of gratitude. I'm going to read another very um, well-known chapter in the Bible. It's Psalm 23. This is David. And he says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's beautiful every time you hear it. It just is a beautiful thing. But sometimes we can just say it and repeat it and it not, and it kind of lose its meaning. So I want to break it down. I want to break it down line by line. Because I want to show you the goodness of the Lord in ways that we may not see or ways that we may not realize. So line by line, the Lord is my shepherd. That means he's got a relationship. There's already a relationship built in. He is my shepherd. He is your shepherd. He says, I shall not want because there is supply and there is provision with God and that relationship with God. He says, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. There's rest. He is a God that gives you rest. He leadeth me beside still waters. I thank him for that refreshment. I thank him for that refreshment. He says, he restores my soul. He knows when my soul needs healing, and he knows when my soul needs restoration. He says, he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. He guides me. He leads me. He says, for his name's sake. That's purpose. My purpose is in his name's sake. He says, yea, though, so even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, there's testing. There's trials. It's not perfect. It's not sunny there. Okay. But he's testing. He says, I will fear no evil. Why? Because God is a God of protection. He's got his hand upon you. He says, because you are with me. Because you're faithful. God is faithful. He says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That's discipline. I thank God that he's got a rod and a staff that he may have to push me in line a little bit. That so you prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. There is always hope. There is hope. You're going to be seated by people that you may not know that may be considered an enemy, but there is hope in that because they may not be your enemies too long. You anoint my head with oil. There is consecration and there is anointing in the presence of God. And he says, my cup runneth over because any kind of abundance, any kind of blessing is a gift from God. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. That's just more blessings of God. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's security. Forever. Amen. Lord, I thank you for it. God, for what I don't see, I thank you for it. God, what I don't realize, I thank you, God. Lord, help me, Jesus. I want to point out this one thing about the psalm. Is that if you read that, David learned about gratitude right there in the middle when it says, Even though, or yea, though, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. 
Something changed in their relationship. If you read the first three, David referred to God. He said, he maketh me, he restores my, he leadeth me. He referred to God. But once you get to that valley, that relationship changed. Because then he says, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and yourself, not his rod, not he's prepared a table. It's you have because all of a sudden something changed in the valley. David learned what gratitude was because it was in those hard times. It was in those valley times that God, that David had to learn how to be thankful that even though things aren't going the way that I had hoped, even though I'm lonely, even though I'm broke, even though the doctor's report was bad, God is still here and God is still good. All the time. God, I love you, Jesus. My God. My God. We can learn and we can choose to be thankful even though life feels like it's falling apart around us. And I'll tell you, the world does not understand that. They expect you to act like they do. Full of negativity and full of doubt. You're sick. They want you to be more sick. You're going through a hard time. They're cheering. They don't understand why you can still stand up and be thankful for something. But what they don't know is that we're not rooted in like they are. We're not rooted in the negativity and the doubt. We're rooted in God. And we have a spirit of gratitude. Because being rooted in a spirit of gratitude doesn't mean that we downplay or that, dis that we disregard real issues. It just means that in every single circumstance, whether it's the highest of highs, the lowest of lows, or every moment in between, we cling to Jesus. That's what that means. That's what we're rooted in. Job just didn't thank God when he gave, but he thanked him when he took. He said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. He said, though he slays me, yet I will trust him. So Moses said, look around, thank God for what you see. And David said, trust God with what you don't see and what you don't realize. Because even though things look final or even though my heart is broken or even though my account is negative or even though there's one hard thing after another, God sees things that we don't and he knows things that we don't that even when I can't see it, he's working. And even when I don't feel it, he's working. And even though I don't have the answers that I can say it is well with my soul. Horatio Spafford was a successful Christian lawyer and a businessman. In 1871, his only son died at the age of two. The following year, he lost everything he owned in the great Chicago fire. It ruined him financially. The insurance company refused to pay anything. They said, this is an act of God. It's not, you're not covered. So he, he was financially ruined, lost his son. And the very next year, his wife and four daughters were on a ship sailing to Europe, and it sank. He received a telegram from his wife that simply read, Saved Alone. He lost all four of his daughters. Over the course of just a couple of years, he lost all of his children, his home, his business, his money. And in the midst of this trial, on the way to meet his grieving wife, and he's sailing out there. He's sailing over the spot where his daughters had passed away. He penned these words. When peace like a river attends my way, when sorrows like sweet billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. 
My word, what a place of gratitude. We can be thankful for the. We can be thankful even though. And I think we have just a little bit more time for another example. October 3rd, 1863, President Lincoln made Thanksgiving Day a national holiday. So if we think about that, the divided United States was three years into the Civil War at the time. And you have a president calling for a nation to be thankful. I want to read just a small portion of his Thanksgiving proclamation. President Lincoln said, The year that is drawing toward its close has been filled with the blessings of fruitful fields and healthful skies to these bounties which are so constantly enjoyed that we are prone to forget the source from which they come. Others have been added, which are so extraordinary in nature that they cannot fail to penetrate and even soften the heart, which is habitually insensible to the ever-watchful providence of Almighty God. He continues to say, No human counsel hath devised, nor hath any mortal hand worked out these great things. They are the gracious gifts of the Most High God, who while dealing with us in anger for our sins, hath nevertheless remembered mercy. And if you read that entire speech... President Lincoln used words like peace, harmony, tranquility, and union. Now, he wasn't trying to ignore the fact or discount the fact that our nation was at war, that there was turmoil in the country. But he realized that even in the midst of a horrible war, that God was still present. He was working and he was blessing our country. And he chose to thank God, not just for the blessing, not just for blessing our country during that time, but because he had a hope and belief that soon enough the United States was going to be the United States and that we would be free and strong. He had, that, he had a hope because his, he was thankful for God and his blessings. The Apostle Paul, I don't think you can really talk about being thankful without really bringing him up. But this is the guy who wrote, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God concerning you. Paul knew a lot about being thankful. He was unjustly accused, brutally beaten, thrown in jail, hands and feet in shackles, and he gave thanks. He even went beyond giving thanks, and he said he found joy in suffering. I don't know that many of us would agree with that, but that just shows how beyond thankful that he was. And there was a reason. It wasn't, it was, it was even further than even though I'm in jail. It was because I'm in jail, I thank God. <laughs> Because of, it, it went beyond, I just thank you for, or I thank you even though. It's I thank you because, and there's, there's power to that. Um, he knew something about giving thanks in negative conditions when circumstances didn't seem fair or when they seemed unreasonable. If anybody had a reason to complain, it would have been Paul, but he chose to give thanks instead. I thought about the fact that he wrote almost all of the New Testament while he was in prison. It didn't sound like he was in prison. If you didn't know that, you would not know that the happiest chapter was written, the happiest chapter in the Bible was written by a man in the prison. You wouldn't know that. But he did. So many verses that he says, give thanks and sing praises all the time while he was in jail and couldn't do that like we have the freedom to today. So I want to just read one portion of something that he wrote in Philippians. While he was in jail, he wrote this. It says, I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here in prison has helped to spread the good news. 
For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains. There's that word, because of Christ. It says, and again, because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. Now, it's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me, for they know that I have been appointed to defend the good news. Those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambitions, not sincerely, intending to make my chains more painful to me. Verse 18 says, but that doesn't matter. Whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way. He says, so I will rejoice, and I will continue to rejoice. So it didn't matter to Paul that he was imprisoned or that he was shackled. It didn't matter that he was in chains. He said, I'm in chains because of Christ, and that makes me rejoice. He said that others, they believed the good news, and they spoke boldly about Jesus because he was in jail. So other people were getting closer to God because Paul was in jail. So Paul rejoiced in that. He was thankful for that. He wasn't focused on what the other people were doing. He wasn't focused on the ones who had bad motives. He didn't ignore it. He didn't ignore the selfish ambition. But that's adversity. And he said, but even in the midst of that, Christ is still being preached and Christ still gets the glory. But he had a heart that was full of gratitude at the highest level. He was grateful for his circumstances because of the way that God was working through his struggle. And that's the key. When you learn to be grateful in any circumstance, you'll be able to find a blessing in any situation. I think of um, my father-in-law. Yesterday would have been his 73rd birthday. And uh, this is our first Thanksgiving without him. And it is sad. And it does hurt. Um, But I think about some words that I've heard my husband say several times this year. And we'll talk about him. He says this. He says, I'm thankful because we had dad 15 years longer than what we thought. It's a man who lost his dad. He says, but I'm thankful because we should have lost him 15 years ago. And I've heard him say, but you know, I'm thankful because he was in Hatchman where he wanted to be. And he said, you know, yeah, I'm sad, but... I'm thankful because I got to see how God used him even in the last years of his life because of, because we had him longer, because he was used, because he was where he wanted to be. And so when I hear that, when I hear how thankful that he is and the loss of his father, it turns my focus from the loss to the gift, to the gift. Your perspective changes. Your perspective changes when you look at it like that. Thank you, God. In conclusion, I want to tell you one more story about Matthew Henry. Matthew Henry um, wrote probably the most well-known and most used commentary, at least I remember using it growing up and still do. But he was a, a renowned Bible scholar and theologian, wrote this huge commentary that is it's really good, very in-depth. He was riding on horseback horseback through a woods one day and he was traveling to a church to be a guest speaker and while he was riding a masked bandit came out of the woods and with a gun in his hand the robber demanded all of his belongings so he was being robbed 
He got off his horse and he obeyed the threatening thief. He tried talking to the man, but the man didn't want to listen. He just wanted his stuff. So the robber took off with all of Matthew Henry's money. Anything that he had, he gave it to him and the man took off. Matthew Henry climbed back onto his horse and he rode away with nothing. He was pondering, just like we would do, the traumatic event that just happened. And he said to himself, I'm supposed to be thankful and everything, but how can I do that with this situation? I'm here to do the work of the Lord. I'm on my way to do the work of the Lord. And someone robs me? How am I supposed to be thankful in this? And this is what he came up with. First, he said, I'm thankful that I've never been robbed before. And there's that basic level. There's that Moses, I'm thankful for this. Second, he said, I'm thankful that even though he took the money, he didn't take my life. There's that even though. And third, he said, most importantly, I'm thankful because I was the robbed and not the robber. God, we are so blessed. Oh, we are so blessed when we don't even realize it. God, we are blessed. I'll ask you to stand and we'll in just a second we'll pray and then we'll we'll have a few minutes to just to, to talk. But I don't know what circumstances that you're in today. I don't know what is weighing on your mind. I don't know what burdens you carried in here today. Maybe things are great and you're just going to hope that I hurry up because I mentioned her, turkey and ham in the beginning and all you can think about is lunch. I get there's nothing wrong with that. If you're great, I'm happy for that. But maybe things aren't so great. Maybe you are carrying a heavier burden. But whatever the case, I believe that you making the choice to be right where you are, that is a choice of giving thanks. Just by you sitting in this pew, you could have been anywhere. You could have left when I said ham. You could have said, my burden's too hard, I can't even carry it to church. But you came. You came. You came. Look around at the people's faces. We don't know what people are going through, but you're here. But you're here. You've chosen to be thankful, just your presence alone. God sees that. God knows that. And you know what? He gets the glory in all of us being here today. But it's our choice. We can either react to the circumstances around us or we can respond to what God is up to within us. That's our choice. Amen. Can we just pray and be dismissed in Jesus' name? God, I love you today. God, what a blessing. Oh, Jesus, what you have done. God, for all of us, God. Lord, for the things that we don't know, for the things, Jesus, we don't see. God, I want to thank you for it, God, for what I thought, God, was bad. God, I thank you, Lord, that you turned things to good. Thank you, Lord, for teaching and guiding, Lord. God, and we love you, Jesus, today. I pray, God, that today, God, for each and every one that's here today, God, I praise you, God. I pray, God, that you would receive glory, Jesus, Lord, from everyone that's here. And I ask you, God, to strengthen them, God, help them, Jesus, carry it, God, whatever it may be, God. Oh, we give you praise. We give you praise. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. 
We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.